Would you please join me in John chapter 14? John chapter 14. Give you a moment to turn over there. John 14. Last night when I went to bed, I was troubled inside. And the troubling reminded me of what I had sensed relative to previous political situations. And I prayed. Woke up this morning, still troubled. But not only was I troubled, I was angry. Then I began to hear about what was happening in Georgia. And I became more angry. And I, I lost a little focus because I'll just admit, in my anger, in my anger, if I had been God, I don't know that I would have struck people dead, but I would have done something, and primarily to Christians. And I, I was praying, you know, God, what, <laughs> what's going on here? What's going on? Because let's face it, for the last, I don't know, the majority maybe of this past year, been a lot of prayer over the elections. A lot. Maybe more so than any election in the past. People were praying. We had times of prayer. Confessions were being made. Declarations were being made. And along with that, there were prophetic voices declaring such and such and thus and thus that it's going to go this direction and going to be, here's how it's going to end up. And so we, the problem we had really for a lot of Christians, we put too much hope in the words of the prophets than we did in the Word of God. And so now, here we are. Some people would say, well, yeah, but it's still not over. The bottom line is this. We prayed, and look at all the turmoil. And you can say it's not over, but I'm telling you, it's over. The reason I say that is because not, I'm not focusing on the presidential election. I'm focusing on the elections for president, House of Representatives, and the Senate. And regardless of what happens at the presidential level, whatever, whatever tomorrow brings, the bottom line is there was too much that, quote, went wrong in voting for the House and for the Senate. Now, it just did. And people can say, well, you know, you need to have faith. Oh, hush. It went the wrong way. And I was angry about it. And there's still a little bit of an anger, but it's tempered now. And I'm talking to God about this. And I want you to look here in John chapter 14. In verse 13, Jesus says, And whatsoever ye shall ask in my name, that will I do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you shall ask anything in my name, I will do it. Then, if you look in chapter 16, 
verse 23. Jesus says, and in that day, the day he's talking about is like after his resurrection. And in that day ye shall ask me nothing. Verily, verily, I say unto you whatsoever ye shall ask the Father in my name, he will give it you. Hitherto have ye asked nothing in my name. Ask, and ye shall receive, that your joy may be full. Now look over in 1 John. 1 John chapter 5. 1 John chapter 5. Verse 14. And this is the confidence that we have in Him. That if we ask anything according to His will, He heareth us. And if we know that He hear us, whatsoever we ask, we know that we have the petitions that we desired of Him. Alright, now, do those verses present to us the concept that we get what we pray for? <laughs> Some of you are looking like, I don't know how to answer right about now. <laughs> They're in John 14, John 16, and 1 John chapter 5. Do they not present the image we get what we pray for? Alright, let's just be honest here, guys, tonight. Let's be honest. In these elections, we didn't get what we prayed for. Did we? Some of you are afraid to respond to that. We didn't. We did not get what we prayed for. Because if we had gotten what we prayed for, all this junk that's been going on for the last two months would not have been going on. We didn't get what we prayed for. And so there are a lot of people that have questions now about all this. So you know what? I'm going to verbalize what a lot of people are questioning so that, you know, we, we let's talk about the elephant in the room, as they say. So I'm talking to God about this. And I'm, I, it's like, okay, according to your word, we prayed and we know it is your will for the righteous to rule. We know it. It's in there. We pray. Not only did we pray here, but other churches were praying. I've never heard so many calls to prayer over an election in my life from preachers all over the place. And, and so we did. Confession. We made confessions that lined up with the Word of God. We spoke the Word. And I'm talking to God. It's like, what's the deal? What's going on here? I don't get this. What's happening? I said, I know I cannot rightly blame you, but what is happening? What's going on? One of the things that He said to me was, now you know what a lot of the Old Testament prophets felt. I thought, yeah. And I began thinking about things in the Old Testament. Your Ezekiels, your Jeremiah's, your others that would stand up and, and prophesy. They would tell the people. And then the frustration they must have felt when their words just sort of fell on deaf ears. And that's a variation on the theme of what's happened here. What's going on right now. And I'm talking to God about it, you know, and I said, I really, I'm not trying to, 
you know, murmur against you or be angry at you. And I hope that's not what's really going on inside me. But, you know, this is what I'm feeling. And he reminded me of something that I had prayed a long time ago, a few years back. Eight, ten, twelve years, I don't remember. And I was praying about some people, people that I know, who need to get their lives right with God. Some of them maybe never been born again, some backsliders. And, uh, and I was praying, God, move on their hearts. God, move, you know, conviction, move, do this, do this. And he, he didn't interrupt me. He waited till me, till I, you know, stopped. Took a breath, and he asked me a question. What makes you think I'm not? And I got to thinking about that. It's like, well, yeah. Because when it comes to conviction for salvation, if we pray, the Holy Ghost goes into action. Because God wants people born again, and one of the responsibilities of the Holy Ghost is to bring conviction to the lost that they need Jesus. Along with conviction to the backsliders, you need to repent and get back right. And so, he was meditating, he was uh, ministering to me about that, how that when we pray and ask him to move on someone's life, he does. He does. Every single time. He does. Unless he would, for whatever reason, tell you, it's a lost cause. Don't pray for him anymore. That could happen. But, absent of that, we pray, we ask him to move, we ask for conviction, it happens. Here's the variable. It's the people we're praying for. Listen, just because we pray, and God will answer, and there will be conviction... It doesn't mean they're going to change anything. Listen, you you need to understand there are some people, Jesus Christ Himself could walk into their living room, look them right in the eye and in, in all of His glory and just say, if you do not repent and accept Me as your Savior, you are going to hell. And then leave. Do you think if he did that to every lost person on the face of this planet, everybody get born again? No. It's like, well, well why wouldn't they? <laughs> because they're not us. We, hopefully, would. Oh, you're right, Jesus, I'm sorry. Been backsliding. And then they would attribute it to, you know, too many tacos the night before. They would attribute it to the medication they've been taking or whatever they've been smoking. They would attribute it to all kinds of things. Hallucinations. And... But they wouldn't do anything. You say, well, how do you know they wouldn't? Because the Bible says so. Well, where does the Bible say that? Remember the story of the rich man and Lazarus? Remember that? The rich man's in hell. He's talking to Abraham. And he says, Abraham, you know... Send somebody to my brothers to let them know that, you know, let, tell Lazarus to go and, and warn them. And, all. and, and Abraham, Abraham said, hold on there. Your brothers have Moses and the prophets. 
And if they're not going to listen to them, in other words, if they're not going to listen to the Word of God, then they're not going to listen even if somebody is raised from the dead. So that right there you know that Jesus Christ Himself, who was raised from the dead, if He shows up and visits the people you're praying for, there's still no guarantee they're going to accept Jesus. None. Because you see, God will not violate the will of a person. He won't do it. And that's what we've seen in these elections. We prayed and prayed and prayed. And people all over churches, I don't, even, I don't know how many Christians actually prayed. I would like to think it was millions. But I don't know for sure. Regardless, let's just say it was a thousand. And I'm sure it was a whole lot more than that. Ten thousand. Maybe one hundred thousand. So, we prayed, we prayed, we prayed. Prayed with the understanding. Prayed with the Spirit. And prayed. And then confessed and confessed and spoke the Word of God. I mean, declared the Word of God. We did everything we knew to do. Did we not? Everything we knew to do. Those of us here, and there were uh, Christians out there who probably did it. No, I, I won't even say probably. I'll just say they did it a whole lot more than what we did. Declaring, tearing down strongholds, spiritual warfare, all of that. It was going on all over the place and not just in the United States and other countries as well. So, <laughs> and, and I'm talking to God about this. And I'm saying, you know, there, and I'm using different words here tonight, okay, but, um, you know, there are people out there. They hear all about prayer, the prayer of faith, and they hear about all these people that have been praying. Christians now, okay? They hear about all the, the prayers that have been going on, and then we get these kind of results after all this prayer. Well, what's that going to do to them? You know, that can have a severe impact in their belief in prayer. Doesn't matter what the Bible says. In my name and, and you shall receive. Well, we did it. But we sure didn't receive. And along with that, all of the declarations and confessions against the demonic, the spirits working in, in how whatever they did to influence the election. Well, <laughs> look how these elections went. So therefore, people, Christians, you know, looking at this thinking, I thought we had authority. You know, I thought we could confess. I thought we could declare. I thought we could address the powers and the principalities and cast them down. I thought we could do that. And we tried. We were doing what, we, what we've read in the Scripture. And, and look at this. Look at this. Well, what I'm getting ready to say, some of you in here might even disagree with, but you better come back with Scripture that's going to counter what I'm going to show, what I'm going to refer to. You can cast down all the demons that have ever existed. You can drive them away completely and totally, and it doesn't mean anything is going to change. Well, that's counter to faith. Oh, hold on. I don't think you know faith. 
Because you see, again, it goes back to the heart of man. Not one time did Jesus try to cast a devil out of any of those Pharisees who wanted to kill him. Not one time. Their heart was hardened. And once a heart is hardened, the demons can go on their way because that hardened heart is going to do the rest. When you've seared your conscience to the voice of the Lord and the conviction of the Holy Spirit, when you've done that, guess what? The demons can go on vacation. Because out of that seared conscience, you will act. So, here's something to think about. All the confessions, all the declarations, all the spiritual warfare to stop the demons... I propose to you, good chance we did. Good chance we stopped every single one of them. But these people out there whose hearts are hardened, and God even talks about it. Over, We're not going to turn to this, but He talks about it over in 2 Thessalonians. About the end times. And you go back and read it later on. But in 2 Thessalonians, He talks about how that there are people that... And I'm paraphrasing, not quoting word for word scripture. Their heart's going to be so hardened that they are going to reject and refuse to accept the word of truth. And because of that, they will be engulfed in a spirit of delusion and they will experience damnation. And nowhere in there does it talk about they are held captive by demons. It's the people who hardened their hearts. Can demons help people to make a decision to harden their hearts? Well, sure. But once a person's at that point, guys, you need to understand the demons, they don't have to do anything. The hardened heart of the individual will take it from there. And that is exactly what we're seeing happen in this country right now. Because we either have authority over demons or we don't. We either have the name of Jesus or we don't. We either, we either have the Word of God or we don't. One of two things. This book works, or God's a liar. And I'm telling you, this book works. Our problem is a lack of understanding about these things. And so you've got some Christians out there, man, they just want to slam everything, and on it's a demon this, and it's a demon that. It's not always demon this, demon that. Not always. Not when you're dealing with individuals who have a hardened heart. That's what you're seeing out here right now. That's what's going on. The Lord shared more things with me uh, this morning that I thought I was going to teach tonight, but this is what is the focus for tonight. The other, I'll give it to you Sunday morning. But for some people, Sunday morning is going to be a massive eye-opener. So we can't, we can't sit back and think, well, God failed. Since when? <laughs> when has God failed? Never. And we can't sit back and, and lay the blame on a bunch of, on demons, t- not totally. You're dealing with people. You know, when God, when Cain killed Abel, God never addressed demons. 
It was Cain who did this out of a hardened heart. Now, some of you are aware of what happened, what's been going on today in Washington, D.C. The rioting, they took over the Capitol building. At least one person has been shot. Two people now. It's crazy. Craziness. Absolute craziness. And a lot of people are saying, well, it's the Trump supporters. What I read about one hour ago is that, no, now, no, it was a little over an hour ago, um, before service, okay, before we started pre-service worship, is that they're now suspecting that Antifa and some others appeared as Trump supporters to stir it up and to do this. Now, does that mean that no Trump supporters have the potential to go bonkers? No, <laughs> it doesn't mean that at all. But you can't just go by what you initially see. You can't. Many years ago, and I don't remember the exact, I should have written this down, I know I could find it again. But many years ago, um, the Republicans were winning some kind of an election. might have been presidential. I don't, I don't recall. And the Democrats knew it. And this is going back into like the, the 30s or the 40s, something like that. And uh, so the, the Democrats sent people to the South to dress up as members of the Ku Klux Klan and carry signs, thank you, GOP, thank you, Republicans. And so now that gets published and it wasn't Republicans at all that were doing it. It was Democrats doing that to get people to turn away from the Republicans and vote for them. Stuff's still going on today. And yet people are too blind and too ignorant to really want to find out what's happening. They just see something, it's like, aha, see there, that's it. A hardened heart is worse than a demonic attack. Because you can cast the demons out. But you cannot soften a hardened heart. That has to be the choice of the individual. And what we're seeing right now, and in the body of Christ, a lot of hardened hearts. We're seeing a lot of... of uh, there's a lot of confusion. But see, God's not the author of confusion. And He's not given us a spirit of confusion or fear but what we have is a love, power, and a sound mind. But we don't have to live or operate by the love, power, and a sound mind. We can let the world dictate to us how we think, how we analyze, and how we come to conclusions. We can let the world dictate that to us. And that's part of what my anger this morning was all about was how can, the, how can so many Christians be so dumb, so stupid, as to believe all this idiocy in the world and not go to the Word of God? That's what was angering me the most. People, men, who stand up in churches, they're supposed to be preaching about God and Jesus and salvation and so on and so forth, but then they tell you the things of the world are okay. They tell, they'll tell you about Jesus. 
But then they'll tell you it's okay to do all this other stuff. And then that person that was referred to as a pastor, a minister, stands up in Congress and prays and says, Amen and a woman. He's going to hell. You say, well, how do you know that? Oh, come on. If you don't think he is, why don't you get in the Word and find out? That man doesn't know who God is. He's going to hell. He needs Jesus. He's going to be held a whole lot more accountable than others because he is in a position to lead the body astray. Get over there and read the book of James. And so here I am, you know, I'm praying about this and I'm dealing with it. And there is a thing, righteous anger. And I'm not so sure that everything I was feeling was righteous anger. (laughs) I know some of it was. But I did let myself get a little distracted by that. Or, Or maybe God would say, no, you let yourself get a lot distracted. But... You know, I was praying about it, and uh, and he was helping me understand. And some of what he helped me understand, you know, I'll be sharing with you on Sunday morning. But I want you to turn over to Psalms 55. Because one of the things that I did was open my Bible to Psalms. Psalms is like a go-to book if you're battling junk. I mean, if you don't know that now, well, now you do. <laughs> Psalms should be your go-to book. But it's like, oh, I don't know what to do and everything's terrible and whatever. And remember what I showed you on Sunday night about the uh, prophetic warfare? Well, once again, if you go through the book of Psalms, you're going to find out David was not always this sweet little harp-strumming sheep herder. There were times when it's almost like he had an attitude. And some of the things that he said. Well, God put that in the Word for a reason. For a reason. So anyway, I I open Psalms and, and I start kind of going through. And I really wasn't paying much attention to the chapters. I'm just looking at things. And I started reading here in Psalm 55. It's like, wow, okay, I get this. And then, I don't know about your Bible, but in my Bible and some Bibles... Like in the book of Psalms, there's like a heading above every chapter. And the heading, when I looked at it, after the fact I looked at it, and the heading over Psalm 55 in my Bible, it just says, betrayed. That's all it says, betrayed. I thought, wow, (laughs) I guess. (laughs) Now, look at this. Give ear to my prayer, O God, and hide not thyself from my supplication. Now stop right there. We know that God does that. He listens, okay? This is an expression of emotion. It's not wrong. Some might say, well, that's a, a statement of unbelief. No, not necessarily. How many times have we gone to God and said, God, please, you know, I need you. Well, we already know he said I'll never leave, never forsake. So out of emotion, we're making this plea. And this is what's happening here. Give ear to my prayer, O God, and hide not thyself from my supplication. Attend unto me and hear me. I mourn in my complaint 
and make a noise. Now stop right there. King Jamesy, okay? I'm I mourn in my complaint and make a noise. Okay, what kind of noise are you making? The sorrow of his heart. His in other words, let me put it like this. In a gentle way, he's venting. You ever done that before? Every now and then, it's not a bad thing to go to God and vent. Just get it out. Because God can handle it a whole lot better than the rest of us. And He already knows what you're going through. So, it's okay. Now, look here. Verse, now look at this. Verse 3. Because of the voice of my, of the enemy, because of the oppression of the wicked, for they cast iniquity upon me, and in wrath they hate me. Does not verse 3 summarize what's been going on in this country? You better believe it does. The oppression, are they not trying to oppress the believer? Absolutely. Well, look here. Verse 4. My heart is sore pained within me, and the terrors of death are fallen upon me. Now stop. I don't think anybody is truly afraid, like he says, the terrors of death. But this is expressing a tremendous amount of anguish over a situation. Let me say it like this. Maybe you've been at a place in life where you, I just wish I could die. You know, okay, well that's kind of what he's saying here. But we pick it up in verse 5 and he says, Fearfulness and trembling are come upon me, and horror hath overwhelmed me. Right now there are a lot of people in this country, horror is overwhelming them because of what they're anticipating over the next four years. And look here, verse 6. And I said, Oh, that I had wings like a dove, then I would fly away and be at rest. You ever felt like that? If I could just get out of here. (laughs) If I could just find me an island somewhere. A cave somewhere. If I could do like Elijah, find a cave. Let some birds bring me some food. That's what he's saying here. Verse 6. And he says in verse 7, Lo, then would I wander far off and remain in the wilderness. It's like, yeah, I'd finally find relief. I would hasten my escape from the windy storm and tempest. Destroy, O Lord, and divide their tongues. For I have seen violence and strife in the city. Boy, howdy, amen. Have we not? Day and night they go about it upon the walls thereof. Mischief also and sorrow are in the midst of it. Wickedness is in the midst thereof. Deceit and guile depart not from her streets. For it was not an enemy that reproached me. Then I could have borne it. Neither was it he that hated me that did magnify himself against me. Then I would have hid myself from me from him. But... It was thou a man, mine equal, my guide, and mine acquaintance. We took sweet counsel together and walked under the house of God in company. Now stop right there. This right here is talking about... Now this is how God used this with me. This is talking about all these people out there that claim to be Christians, and some of them are, and yet they stand in agreement with with unrighteousness and vote for it. In other words... Do we not trust Christians to do what Christians ought to do? 
Absolutely. Do we not have this something on the inside of us that that trust Christians will vote the way they should? Absolutely. But they betray us. They betray us. Do we not have a belief that our politicians are going to uphold the Constitution? Absolutely. But they betray us. And they don't. In fact, they actually, many of them now, complicate it by encouraging all this we're reading. Well, look here. Verse 15. Let death seize upon them and let them go down quick quick into hell, for wickedness is in their dwellings and among them. Now, that isn't too far off from kind of what I was talking to God about today. And here's what I said. In essence, I said, if their hearts are hardened, if if they are completely hardened and they're never going to get born again, ever, and you know this, why not just let them drop over dead? They're not doing anybody any good. They're not helping this country. They're not helping the world. And they're definitely not helping the kingdom. You say, Pastor Jim, how on God's green earth could you say that? If their hearts are hardened, listen to me, and they're never going to change. I don't know that we need them around. Now somebody hearing this would say, well, Brother Martin said we should go out and kill a bunch of people. No, I didn't say that. And you, Do you know why I do that now and then? I'll say something, and then I'll say, you know, somebody could say, and here's why. Because over the years, people have done that. I will stand here, and I will, I will say something. The sky is blue. And somebody would say, Brother Martin was talking about the sky being red. Now, that's just a silly example. But every now and then, I have to stop and give an explanation because there are people, I mean, it's sitting in the room with me. They hear me say something, and they walk out. Why did he say some of some of blah, blah? Well, he didn't. He said thus and thus. Thank God for recordings. So anyway, verse 16, As for me, as for me, as for me, I will call upon God and the Lord shall save me. I can't speak for any of you here. I can't speak for any of you watching or listening. But all I can tell you is this. After my time with God, this has to be my verse. As for me. As for me. Now, if you want it to be for you too, man, I hope (laughs) and praise God for it. But as for me, I will call upon God. You know what? You can't call upon God if you're looking at everything else that's going on. As for me, I will call upon God and the Lord shall save me. This is when all this bad stuff's going on here. He's saying, you know, oh God, strike them dead. God, kill them. Like, in other words, they're still doing all the stuff they're doing. And in the midst of it, he says, as for me, I will call upon God and the Lord shall save me. Verse 19, or verse um, 17. Evening and morning and at noon will I pray and cry aloud and he shall hear my voice. Do you get the message here? You gotta be in an attitude of prayer. This, and this, I, I, I need to step it up for me. He's, you know, morning, noon, and night. Attitude of prayer. We should have what you might call fellowship prayer with God throughout the day. 
every now and then. It's not wrong. You know, God, thank you for continuing to move and continuing to, you know, whatever. But this is what he's talking about. He hath delivered my soul in peace from the battle that was against me, for there were many with me. He's delivered. Do you understand that we've been delivered? One of the things that he said to me this morning. Now, okay, do you realize in the natural it doesn't always look like people are delivered? But from God's perspective, we are. Remember Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego? Remember that? Remember what happened to them? Thrown into the fiery furnace. Remember that? Did God save them? They should have died. They should have died within seconds after being thrown in there. God saved them. They made it. And one of the things that God said to me this morning, He said, keep worshiping in the fire. Keep worshiping in the fire. See, you can't do that if you're not focused on the Lord. And He says, He delivered my soul in peace from the battle that was against me. There were many with me. God shall hear and afflict them. Even he that abideth of old because they have no changes, therefore they fear not God. They have no changes. See that? Their hearts are hardened. They're not going to change. They're not. They don't fear God. Lightning could boom right in front of them. They don't fear God. They don't. And if the lightning did right in front of them, they'd say, well, you know, there's not a cloud in the sky, but it must be some sort of strange phenomenon. Now, as God, you know, warning shot. <laughs> as God. Verse 20, He hath put forth His hands against such as be at peace with Him. He hath broken His covenant. See, a lot of people talk about everything's okay between them and God. It's not. I'm serving the Lord. Hey, you go to this, a lot of those people in Congress? Probably, I, I, would, I would venture to guess nearly every single one of them are going to say, well, yeah, I believe in God. Even the ones who are Muslim. Yeah, I believe in God. What they don't say is, just not the one you believe in. <laughs> but they're, they're going to talk about believing in God. Well, in verse 21, the words of his mouth were smoother than butter, but war was in his heart. His words were softer than oil, yet they were drawn swords. This is where so many people in this nation have missed it. The smooth words, the buttery words of the liberals going to make everything better. Life is going to be better. And what they don't realize, God, what God is saying here is, let me tell you what I see. War is in their heart. And their words are actually swords drawn to cut you to pieces. Now look at this, verse 22. Cast thy burden upon the Lord and He shall sustain thee. He shall never suffer the righteous to be moved. But thou, O God, shalt bring them down to the pit of destruction. Bloody and deceitful men shall not live out half their days, but I will trust in thee. See that? Now, he doesn't say how soon they're going to be brought to the pit of destruction. He doesn't say how soon. But see, if their hearts are hardened and there's no change, that's where they're going. That is where they are headed. And so I have to be, verse 16 and 17, and I have to be verse 22 and the end of verse 23. This is what I have to be. 
As for me, I will call upon God, and the Lord shall save me. Evening and morning and at noon will I pray and cry aloud, and He shall hear my voice. I'm going to make a decision to cast the burden upon the Lord. It's not my responsibility to change this nation or to change the people in it. I can't do that. And people talk about prayer changes things. Okay. But only if we pray in line with His will. It is not His will to force change on people. And if the hearts are hardened, they're going to keep doing this stuff described in chapter 55. They're going to do it. And so therefore, I'm going to cast the burden. I'm not going to sit around and worry, what's coming next? What's coming next? Oh God, what's coming next? All the liberals are going to be doing this and make this law and everything else. You know what? You're not in charge. And neither am I. Cast thy burden upon the Lord, and He shall sustain thee. He shall never suffer the righteous to be moved. But I will trust in thee. See, it doesn't matter who gets elected. The most vile, evil people can be elected. Some people think they have been. I'm not talking simply president. I'm talking about all the House representatives and the Senate. Let me tell you something. Nobody can steal your praise, but you can lay it, lay it down. Nobody can steal it. Nobody can steal your peace unless you relinquish it. Nobody can steal your faith unless you quit believing. Nobody. Because all of that is a part of the kingdom you've been born into. It's not going to change. What I mean is, All of who you are in Christ is not going to change unless you give up. As for me, I will call upon God and He shall, the Lord shall save me. I will trust in Thee. This is where we have to be, guys. This is where we have to be. You know, I read something today. You know, all, man, Facebook's been going crazy. People are blaming the Republicans in Georgia. Well, how about blaming the body of Christ? And who said it came down to, you know, thank you Republicans, you haven't done what you're supposed to, and and now this country is going to be... Hold on, there are 49 other states. I mean, seriously. You're going to blame Georgia? Come on. Think about that. Read what I just read here to you. And other chapters in Psalms. This is See, this is where Christians have lost their focus. And they're looking at all this stuff that's going on out here. Uh, There are, for us, really for Christians, we basically have three priorities in our life. Three. One, it is our personal spiritual growth. That's the number one priority. That's number one. Number two, our spiritual growth as a congregation. And that would apply to all, you know, each church. Our spiritual growth as a congregation. We have to be in unity at that level. And number three, revival. Personal, congregational, and revival. If you start focusing on Washington, D.C., who's elected, who's not elected, who's protesting, who's rioting, who's this, who's that, you lose focus. And when you lose focus, you definitely will not be praying the way you should. 
and your prayers will probably, well, possibly be completely out of line with the Word of God. You have to stay focused and pray. And this can be a challenge right now. One of the things that's going on, all of of this stuff, it can serve to be a major distraction in the life of a believer. Our call is not to be focused on the politics. Aware? Yes. Focused? No. Our focus is supposed to be on Jesus Christ, Him crucified, and our transformation and change and maturity into the image of that glory. That has to be our number one focus. I want to read um, a prophecy that was sent today. It has to do with this. In fact, I received it probably an hour and a half before the service. And it's directly related to what's been going on today. Know this. Now, this is not simply for me. This is for any Christian who's going to receive it. In other words, it's not exclusive to one person, one group. It is a body of Christ word. Know this, that you have an answer for everything, says the Spirit of Grace. Even when you do not believe in your natural mind that you have an answer, you have an answer for everything inside of you because the one who created all things dwells inside of you. I am testifying to you as the spirit of truth. Divert yourself. Step back from the natural. Go into the spirit and realize that you are first my son, my daughter, empowered with answers, empowered with grace, empowered even just to stand in chaotic situations and exude an anointing that breaks the yoke, says the Spirit of the Lord. That's us. That's us. If we want it to be. Now, we can, we can go beyond being aware of what's happening and allow it begin to impact us. Or we can say, you know what? If we look back through history, there have been times a lot worse than this for a lot of people. As for me, I will call upon the Lord. That has to be our focus. We, we can, the righteous anger about all this stuff, God has more of it than what we do. But see, we can trust Him in this. And that's why we're going to keep praying. And we're going to keep believing for a revival. And if the rest of the country wants to put great people in office, hallelujah. If they want to put fools in office, hallelujah anyhow. Not for the results of the voting, but for who we are in Christ and where we know we're headed. Revival can happen no matter what. A lot of people seem to think that, well, when revival breaks out, it's going to change this nation. Not necessarily. Think about it. What happened day of Pentecost and in the days following? Thousands and thousands and thousands of people Born again, filled with the Holy Spirit, baptized in water. Thousands, thousands of them. Did that change Jerusalem? No. Did it change the Roman Empire? No. 
But revival broke out. Revival broke out and was going on in the midst of all that stuff. Guys, be encouraged. Jesus is not gone on vacation. He's still on the throne. The Holy Spirit is still here. God is still God. He still possesses universe-creating power. We can trust in Him and make it through anything. Praise the Lord. Please stand. Now we're going to continue, um, like on a Sunday night, with our prayer. Because folks, I'll say it like this, now more than ever, we need it. (laughs) And I'm encouraging you, please, don't pass up Sunday night just because, well, it's only prayer. If we could only see in the Spirit what's happening when we pray. Because it is happening. Father, I thank You for tonight. I thank You for Your Word. And I thank You for directing me so gently to Psalm 55. That was so encouraging for me, Father. And I hope it was encouraging to others. And I thank You for that prophecy that was sent. That, too, was extremely encouraging. Now, Father, right, right at this moment, we just we pray. And we just say, violence and rioting end in Washington, D.C. Peace be restored. Regardless of who started it or who didn't, peace be restored. Give the police, the National Guard, both the Democrats and the Republicans, protection and wisdom on how to deal with this and deal with it the right way. And Father, I say may a wave of Your glory and presence sweep through Washington, D.C. in a way that it's never done before. And may those people disperse if they haven't already. And I say, Father, Your glory is going to be known in Washington, D.C. And I hope that people respond to it. That's my prayer. Thank you, Father. In Jesus' name, Amen.